Someone has said, God has great and wonderful things to display if he can find suitable showcases. I thought, my, what a powerful word that is. We're going to look at a man today, as we have for the last couple of weeks, different Bible characters of people that you don't hear a whole lot about. This man today, I believe, would certainly would be a showcase for the Lord Jesus Christ of the work that God had done in his life. His name is Ephroditus. He is found in the book of Philippians, chapter 2. And I want us to turn there for a few moments. Chapter 2, and in verse 25. Ephroditus was a, a man that came to be a helper to the Apostle Paul. As you began to look in the Apostle Paul's life, you began to notice of how there were certain men that God placed in his life that began to bless him and to bless others. Ephroditus, his name means lovely or loving or charming. And so I titled the message, Ephroditus, a charming Christian. Because if you ever want to see a display of a true character of what a Christian looks like, you would be able to see that in Ephroditus. And so, am I getting a feedback? Could we cut that back just a little bit? I feel like I'm getting a little bit of a feedback. Someone has uh, once said that we are a living gospel. Listen to this. A chapter each day by deed that we do, by word that we say, men read what we live, whether faithless or true, say, what is the gospel according to you. Not every child of God displays the message of the gospel. And so, here was a man by the name of Ephroditus that truly, truly displayed the characteristics of the gospel. Charles Spurgeon said one time, He said, I would not give much for your religion unless it can be seen. Lamps do not talk, but they do shine. A lighthouse sounds no drums. It beats no gong. And yet far over the water, its friendly spark is seen by the mariner. Oh my goodness. How true, how true it is. Ephroditus was not a preacher of the gospel. He was not a deacon. He was not a miracle worker. But he was a man of God. A man that who loved the Lord Jesus Christ 
with all of his heart, with all of his mind, and with all of his soul. And it demonst- he demonstrated that character in his life. And so, let's look at his life for a few moments this morning. With your Bibles open, turn with me to Philippians chapter 2 and verse 25 and following. Would you stand with me in reverence of reading God's Word? The Apostle Paul was writing, of course, to the church of Philippi. And he's writing about Ephroditus here. He says, yet I consider it necessary to send to you Ephroditus, my brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier, but your messenger, and the one who ministered to my need since he was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick. For indeed, he was sick almost unto death. But God had mercy on him. And not only on him, but on me also. Lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I sent him the more eagerly that when you see him again, you may rejoice and I may be less sorrowful. Receive him, therefore, in the Lord with all gladness and hold such men in esteem because for the work of Christ he came close to death, not regarding his life to supply what was lacking in your service toward me. Father, I thank you that we have men in the Bible like Ephroditus that to give us an example of what a child of God should look like and the way that he should demonstrate his life before mankind. Help us, dear Lord. Convict us of where we have fallen short of displaying that character the way that you would have us to display it. Give us the power and the boldness and the anointing that we might be men and women of God that who love you and will serve you and that will be seen among men as a man and a woman of God. Father, may the anointing and the filling of your Spirit be upon our lives today by the hearing and the preaching of your Word. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I think you would truthfully say with me that not every Christian, so-called Christian, displays the character of God, displays the characteristics of Christ, as being a man or a woman of God. Sadly to say, there have been many Christians throughout our time that will not preach the gospel through their life. But they have been tarnished by the world. They've been tarnished and blemished by sin. But not so when I began to see about a man by the name of Ephroditus. You probably have never heard of him before. Maybe you have 
heard of him, but you don't know too much about him. He was a Gentile. He was from the church of Philippi. Somewhere along the way, he had met the Lord Jesus Christ. And it changed his life into such a fashion that it made such an impact upon the life of the people at Philippi, but also upon the life of the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, my friend, I want you to understand that he could see through one that would try to fake their religion or to fake their Christianity. But not so when he came to this man by the name of Ephroditus. I want you to see three things as we begin to focus upon his life this morning. Three things that I think that will help you to understand what kind of man this man was. The very first thing, I want you to notice how dear he was to the man of God. To the Apostle Paul. From time to time, there are people that God will bring into your life. That will become very near and dear to you. And that will make an impression upon your life. Ephroditus was that type of person. I believe that when he went to Rome to minister to the Apostle Paul, there in that dungeon jail, that he made a tremendous impact upon the Apostle Paul's life. The Bible says in verse 25, he says, Yet I suppose it's necessary to send to you Ephroditus, my brother. And notice how he, how he describes him. He describes him as my brother. A companion in labor. A fellow soldier. It was almost as if he couldn't get up enough adjectives to describe this great man. He made such an impression upon him that he just began to place great emphasis upon him. Here we find that he was known as a messenger from the church of Philippi. A messenger was primarily known as one of the apostles during that particular day. One that would preach the gospel. Or a messenger would be someone that was sent out by the church as a missionary going to another place to share the gospel. The Apostle Paul described him as a messenger. My friend, did you realize that every child of God is a messenger? We are to carry the cross. We are to carry the gospel and to share with others the good news. We are to be messengers. But let's go back and look just for a few moments. And just look of how he had won a special place in the heart of the Apostle Paul and the way that Paul describes him. He says, my brother. In other words, he was a son in God's family. My brother. He was not talking about an earthly brother. 
He was talking about a spiritual brother, a brother in the Lord. I like it when somebody calls me Brother Kelly because it describes, I hope, that they recognize that I am a fellow brother in the Lord. I'm a child of God. And this is exactly what the Apostle Paul No doubt Ephroditus had given great evidence in the short time that he was there in Rome. Great evidence that he had had a born-again experience. An experience of coming to know Christ, changing his life, and being born into the family of God and to be known as a brother in the Lord. I like the song that the Gaithers uh, wrote many years ago. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. Washed in the fountain. Cleansed by his blood. Joint heirs with Jesus as we travel this sod. For I'm a part of the family of God. Amen? Man, I'm glad to be a part of it. My friend, to think that God has allowed me and allowed you to come and to be a part of his family and to be born into that family and to be a joint heir with the Lord Jesus Christ. What a blessing. My friend, if that doesn't excite you, there's something wrong with your blessing and excitement. Because that is something that is beyond measure. September the 15th, 1951, I was born into the Burris family. May of 1962, I was born into God's family. Those two are two special days in my life. And I will never, never forget that time, that opportunity that I was born into the family of God. And I have never regretted that, my friend, to know that I am a part of the family of God. Paul says, my brother. But then Paul goes a step further. He says he's a companion in labor. Not only a son in God's family, but he was a servant in God's field. This is a title that is unique to the Apostle Paul. Paul and Ephroditus, they were close friends. And, and no doubt, they began to take upon each other's characteristics and traits. The great passion that the Apostle Paul had was to win people to the Lord Jesus Christ. We see that everywhere Paul went. He was planting churches. He was winning people to the Lord. He had a passion for the lost. And he realized and recognized the importance of sharing the gospel. And now the Apostle Paul is saying that Ephroditus, here is a man that is a companion in labor. No doubt Ephroditus had that same type of passion. No doubt 
He looked upon lost men and women as men and women that were undone and that needed a Savior and that he shared the gospel with the Lord Jesus Christ, of the Lord Jesus Christ. My friend, we're not only to enjoy the family of God, we're to enlarge the family of God. We're to share the gospel. Every one of us, my friend, could Paul say to you that you are a companion of labor? That you have the same passion, the same desire to see lost people come to know the Lord? There's a lot of people who could care less. All they're concerned about, me and myself and I. And failed to realize people right across the street from them are dying and going to hell. The church needs to wake up and realize that yes, it is a beacon shining that searchlight. Finding lost people being born into the kingdom of God. Dr. Lyman Beecher Someone asked him in his old age, what is the greatest of all things? He made a tremendous statement. He says, it's not theology. It's not controversy. It is saving souls. What's the greatest of all things? It's the saving of souls. Oh, my friend. May our church become more and more and more with a desire of seeing people saved. Seeing people walk down the aisles, giving their heart and their life to the Lord Jesus Christ. But the Apostle Paul, he not only elaborated that he was a brother, a companion in labor, but he said he was a fellow soldier. He was a soldier in God's fight. In other words, he was a fellow soldier, the Apostle Paul said. The Apostle Paul had referred to his own self in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, where he said, I have fought a good fight. He realized he was a soldier of the cross. The Apostle Paul alluded to that as well as he spoke to young Timothy about being a soldier in second in first Timothy chapter two or second Timothy chapter two verse three where he says, Be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. My friend, we as the children of God, we're not on a playground, but we're on a battleground. We have enemies, enemies of the cross. And so many, as we talked about Demas a couple weeks ago, have deserted their troops, have deserted their mission from carrying out the means of the gospel because of fear of the enemy. But the Apostle Paul says, Ephroditus, he was a good soldier, a fellow soldier. Isaac Watts Asked, was uh, asked in his great hymn, 
Am I a soldier of the cross? A follower of the Lamb? And shall I fear to own His cause or blush to speak His name? Oh, my friend, Paul used those three terms describing to us what a great man Ephroditus was. He used those three terms with great respect and admiration of Ephroditus. The church of Philippi had sent Ephroditus to minister to Paul there in Rome. And Paul says he's a brother, a fellow laborer. He is a fellow soldier. And I am grateful to God for him. But the Apostle Paul, as he talked about it, he talked about how dear he was to the man of God, the Apostle Paul. But secondly, he talked about how distressed he was over the church of God. After speaking of Ephroditus there in verse 25, with the highest regards, the Apostle Paul explains that he had to send Ephroditus back to Philippi. Something had happened. It says in verse 25, he says, I sit him therefore the more carefully that when you see him again, you may rejoice that and that I may be less sorrowful. Paul felt that it was necessary for him to send Ephroditus back to the church of Philippi. Now why? Why did he send him back? Well, I think you will notice as you look in the scripture, he talks about and refers to his seriousness of his sickness in verse 27. For indeed he was sick almost unto death. It seems as if right after Ephroditus had gotten to Rome, that he became very ill physically. This was far more than a migraine headache, or the flu. Paul says he was almost unto death. He was at death's doorstep. And he says, had God not reached down and touched him, he would have died. This greatly concerned the Apostle Paul. And Paul said, not only would you have been sorrowful of this event, but I would have been sorrowful. It saddened the Apostle Paul. And so because of his seriousness of his sickness, the Apostle Paul begins to send Ephroditus back to Philippi. But I want you to see something that is so unique about this man. Not only the seriousness of his sickness, but the selflessness of his sorrow. Found in verse 26. The Bible says, For he longed after you all and was full of heaviness because that you had heard 
that he had been sick. Paul was explaining why Aphroditus went back to Philippi. Not necessarily because he was sick, but was because Aphroditus was concerned that the people at Philippi was concerned about him. Aphrodite was deeply distressed because they were distressed over him. And he felt that the Bolivian, the the Philippine, the, the, the Philippian believers were worried and upset because they had heard about Aphrodite. I don't think there's a greater example of selflessness in the Bible other than the Lord Jesus Christ than you find here of Aphrodite. Aphrodite was concerned more about the church at Philippi and their feelings than he was concerned about his own self. Once in a while you run into an Aphrodite. I remember what Warren Wiersbe said when he described Aphrodite. He said Aphrodite lived in Philippians 1.21 and not Philippians 2.21. Philippians 1.21 says, For me to live is Christ. Philippians 2.21 says, For all seek their own and not the things which are of Jesus Christ. There are a lot of people today are more concerned about themselves than they are about what others may feel. Not so with Aphrodite. He had a compassion. I remember several, several years ago, I ran into an Aphrodite. There was a member of the church and he was having major surgery at a, another, at a hospital in another city. And I remember getting up early one morning and traveling to that city. And I was going, wanting to be with him. I remember walking into his room and they had just taken a needle. And they had drained fluid from his lungs. The man was almost at the point of death. I could tell that he was very sickly. And when I walked in, he said, Oh, Pastor, what in the world are you doing here? I said, oh, I wanted to come and be with you. He said, Pastor, you shouldn't have come, got up so early and come up here. He said, Pastor, he said, uh, um, I want to give you some gas money. He reaches over to his wife. He said, hand me my billfold. And I said, of course not. You don't need to give me any money. He said, no, pastor. He said, I want to give you some gas money and just tell you how much I appreciate you coming. Here was a man almost at the point of death. He was more concerned about my gas money than it seemed like he was concerned about his own self. He was an Aphrodite, my friend. He was a man that, who cared about others. And didn't want to focus upon his own self. 
I'm afraid that most people are so self-centered, they could care less about most people. Theodore Roosevelt, some would say, was a great, great, great president. But he was known to be a very self-centered person. In fact, he was called Roosevelt I. One of his children wrote this one time. Father always had to be the center of attention. When he went to a wedding, he wanted to be the bride. When he went to a funeral, he was sorry that he couldn't be the corpse. Have you ever met anybody like that? Boy, I have. Always the center, wanted to be the center of attention. A lot of Christians are like that. And yet they're the most unhappy and the most miserable people in the world. I came across a recipe of how to be miserable. I want you to look at this. Always think about yourself. Always talk about yourself. Use I as often as possible. Mirror yourself continually in the opinion of others. Listen greedily to what people say about you. Be suspicious. Expect to be appreciated. Be jealous and envious. Be sensitive to slights. Never forgive a criticism. And trust nobody. But yourself. Does that remind you of anybody? Immediately when I came across that little recipe, I, I began to think about certain individuals. And I began to think, man, that's just like them. And yet you go up to them and they're the most miserable people in the world. Not Ephroditus. He was always thinking about somebody else. Always wanting to help somebody else. It was a great sacrifice on his part to leave Philippi and go all the way to Rome. And then there at Rome, he becomes sick, afflicted physically, And he's far more concerned about the people's feelings at Philippi than he is about his own health. What a great man. But doesn't that remind you of the Lord Jesus Christ? Always thinking about others. He left the glories of heaven. To come into a sin-cursed world. Why did he do that? He did that because he's thinking about you and me. Gave his all that we might receive all of him. All of his grace, all of his love, all of his mercy, all of his forgiveness, all of his cleansing. Oh my, what a blessed Savior. That's why I liked 
Brother Andrew's song so well a while ago. It was all about Jesus. All about Jesus. But one last thing I want you to see about Ephroditus. Not only how distressed he was over the church of God and how dear he was to the man of God, but also how devoted he was to the work of God. He was devoted. Paul said to the believers at the Christian church, he said, Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness and hold such in reputation. Paul encouraged the church at Philippi to receive, to receive Epiditus when he returned. Paul was expressing his devotion because, number one, because here was a man that totally disregarded his own life. When it speaks about that he was almost unto death. In other words, he came that close to dying. And yet, not regarding to his own self, but to the self of others. I remember reading in A.D. 252, a plague broke out in Carthage. And there, heathens were taking the sick and taking the dead. And they were throwing out their bodies in the streets. Making the plague that much worse. But then there was Cyprian. The Christian bishop had gathered the people of the church together. And they went out into the streets and they gathered up the bodies of the dead and buried them. Gathered up the sick. And they took them to a hospital and ministered and helped them back to health. Here was a group of people was risking their own life for others. This is the way Epiditus was. But you can't help not to see of his total devotion to the Lord. Here was a man that was sold out 100% to the Lord. The Bible says in verse 30 that Epiditus was full of the work of Christ. I think you would agree. If someone was willing to risk his own life for the Lord Jesus Christ, that was a devoted man. A devoted man. I remember in the early days reading about the early Christians and when they were baptized, of how many of them realized that they were placing their life on the line. And yet, baptism was literally saying that they were publicly acknowledging 
their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet that came with a price. A price that some paid with their own life. I wonder about us today. I don't think you had seen Ephroditus driving down the road in his chariot with a sign on the back of it, honk if you love Jesus. He didn't have to do that. His own life spoke for itself. As I have studied the life of Ephroditus, it has convicted me and challenged me to give my life even greater to the Lord Jesus Christ than I ever have before. Recklessly giving my life even if it may take my life for the cause of Christ. Are you willing to say that? I'm afraid in our churches today we've got so many so-called Christians that their commitment is about a thimble full. And that it does not show or prove their true commitment. I think today is a day and a time and an hour like never before when the church should rise up. Christians stand up and be totally devoted to the cause of Christ. Amen. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for a man like Ephroditus. Thank you for a man that was willing to even die for the cause of Christ. Help us, dear Lord, not to be so-called Christians, but to be men and women that have devoted their life to the cause that Christ has given. Father, I pray that today that you would challenge us. Help us to see our weaknesses, our frailties. Help us to realize the blemishes that the world and sin has marked upon our bodies and our souls and testimonies. May we come with full repentance, falling on our faces, and to say, help me to be like an Ephroditus. The Bible said that he was a brother. Today. Can you say that you've been born into the family of God? Today, can you say that I know that God is my Father? Well, if not, you can. I challenge you today to give your heart and your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Are you a companion worker, a fellow worker? Do you work for the Lord? Do you serve Him with the talents and the gifts that God has given to you? Or have you just sitting on the wayside? Today, why don't you give it all to Him? He is worthy. Maybe God has called you to come and be a part of the fellowship of this church. We want to welcome you, invite you to come. And come as a believer to serve the Lord through this church.